tonight. Look with me at chapter 5. We're going to look at the first six verses of that uh, uh, chapter. And uh, I brought along some notes because I wanted to make sure. And then I got to read, get my glasses out. <laughs> uh, again, I think he's saying something here about some people that are not Christians. Uh, I think most of the commentaries that I read or had read to me as we rode to Atlanta and back, my precious wife uh, had to do some of the reading. Uh, we were in Atlanta this week helping Angela and her family move into a, a new house for them, not a new house, but new to them, a, a four-bedroom home since they have three children. Now every, every child has their own bedroom. Bad thing was the bedrooms are all on the second floor, nothing on the first floor. And I've carried boxes up and down, well, up steps mainly. Uh, I'm feeling real weak. <laughs> uh, but I knew I had to preach, so I let Sadell read while I drove. She doesn't care about driving, so she read uh, all these wonderful commentaries. So I told her she could preach the message tonight if she wanted to, but she bowed out of that. Well, what James is talking about here is the misuse of wealth. Uh, so much of what he said earlier in this book has been addressed to Christians. He talks about his brothers and sisters, those who follow the Lord, those who are part of his kingdom. Uh, those kinds of statements are found throughout the book, but here he's going to talk about some people that aren't members of the body of Christ, but they were evident there in the city of Jerusalem and in the area where uh, this letter was going. And, and the people who were Christians need to know how to act and how to react toward those people. I think that's kind of the overall message here. But listen, as, as he said, come now and listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted. The moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh as fire. Isn't that a wonderful word of encouragement? <laughs> when you hear that kind of statement uh, coming across, and it, as I said, it's almost like it's totally foreign to anything that James has already dealt with in the book and what he's going to deal with uh, a little later. One of the great passages of Scripture will be the one next week when it talks about patience and suffering. Much of what Reggie preached about this morning uh, as he talked about Joseph and the ordeal of his life, how difficult things were for him as he uh, was taken into captivity, sold into captivity by his own flesh and blood. And here James is saying, um, <clears throat> your gold and silver corroded, everything you own, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look. The wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Now that's a message that uh, I wasn't interested in having to deal with tonight. But... As I started out saying, nowhere in this section did James address his brothers and sisters in Christ. So as most of the commentators would agree, 
that he's not talking to the fellow believers. He's talking to those outside the church, uh, and the, uh, these are the terms that he uses. The other reason that many believe that this passage was not geared and directed toward those who were members of the fellowship of believers is there's no call for repentance. In other sections of the book of James, he offers that word of encouragement and how uh, God has given to us the opportunity to repent and, and to make a difference in there. But there's only this message of uh, stern judgment toward those who have hoarded their wealth, who have accumulated wealth and not done anything with it to help others. I got online uh, this week and looked again at the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Any of you remember that program that came on? It dealt with all of the entertainers and all of the athletes and all the things that they have acquired, the many cars and the many uh, houses and homes and vacation villas and all that they, they have in their possession. And I thought it was very interesting that uh, those people, most of them, have not had any kind of relationship with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they've, they've accumulated this wealth. They've uh, brought these things into their lives, and they own a lot. I looked this afternoon as I was going back over some things uh, about the 10 wealthiest uh, billionaires in America. Dwight, your name was right there. <clears throat> I, I saw it. I really did. Uh, but all of these people who have accumulated this great wealth and how difficult uh, it is to see that and know that so many of them have nothing to do with things that are godly. Uh, one of the ones that's on that list now is uh, uh, one of these casino moguls, owns casinos all over the world, and, and how he has accumulated his wealth at the hands of other people, losing their wealth. So it's interesting to know how James approaches this and, and deals with this. Uh, the rich are described in these verses having a need. <laughs> he says they need to weep, they need to wail, they need to howl like a wild animal because some of the things that are fixing to happen to them, all the riches that they have accumulated will be gone. We've said this many times. I know Jody would remember us talking about that. We've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer behind it. Uh, you don't see that because that which people have accumulated through their lives, the things that are a part of their lives are not going to be something that they can hold on to in the end of their life. I was reminded in reading uh, and studying for this of the scripture that is found over in the book of uh, Matthew where Jesus says uh, to those uh, who had come to him uh, as he gave the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6, I believe it is, Matthew 6, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where men, moth and rust do not destroy. Same words that James uses. And we know that James, and I thought this was interesting in one of the commentary, commentaries that I read, 
called attention to the fact that James is the half-brother of Jesus, which we have established early on in our study. James, uh, Reggie started the study uh, that he's the half-brother, and he was around Jesus, not a follower of Jesus at that point, but um, probably heard Jesus say some of these things. And hear Jesus saying this on the, on the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there is your heart. Then he goes on, no one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and, de and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Many interpret that to be money. Uh, that's what the New International Version says, you can't serve God and money. Jesus spoke much about money. Uh, in fact, many words are written about money throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament as well. And how interesting it is that uh, money can become our God, things can become our God. And I think this is one of the things that James was trying to get across to the people of that day, that watch how you use the money that you have. Not that there weren't rich people uh, in the church, but more than likely most of these were poor and uh, people who were uh, there uh, that James was writing to, and, and maybe they didn't have a whole lot going for them. But there were three things I think that James alludes to here in, in the uh, writing, this particular thing. He talks about hoarding, gathering up those things. There was a, also a program back in, well, it's, it's sometimes rerun now, about the hoarders. Uh, people that just accumulate things. They, their houses are full of things. And I think about some of these entertainers and some of these athletes and some of these other uh, people that, that are listed in some of these uh, lists. Uh, they're people who are not uh, following God's way, but they're just getting things so that they can have more and, and uh, the prestige and things that go with them. Um, they have massive, uh, they've accumulated massive uh, waste of lavish possessions, again, that won't be a part of their lives when they leave this earth. Just hoarding things. And, and uh, James is, is dealing with that. He says, you better watch out trying to gather up these things that are not going to be here for long. They're going to pass away. They're gone. Uh, no longer will you have them. The other thing that he talks about is the extravagance. Just what I've just mentioned here did not say we cannot enjoy the good things of life. And, and again, as I, I looked over this passage of Scripture, I was made more aware that there is nothing wrong with having things. I don't want to go back to the days of no air conditioner. I don't think any of you would here in, in Louisiana at this point. But many of you, I grew up in a home that never had an air conditioner until I went off to college. And I came back and I was mad at my mom and daddy because they got an air, a wind, air conditioner, a window unit, and they put it down in their room, not in my room. And uh, so we never had air conditioning. But uh, I wouldn't want to go back to those kinds of days. I'm proud of the fact that I have an air-conditioned automobile to ride around in. I'm thankful for the comforts that we have in this world. I wouldn't want to be, go back to those days that they had to live with uh, without those kinds of things. And I think James is trying to say to these Christian people, it's all right to have some things, but don't let those things become your God. Don't let those things take over your life to the point that 
everything else is ruled out. I think this is again what Jesus was saying to the young man that he talked with. You find that story over in the book of Luke uh, <clears throat> chapter 12 where Jesus said uh, someone in the crowd said to him, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. You see that so often in our society. We've become a, a, a society where those people uh, promote this kind of lifestyle. Eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, just enjoy life to the fullest. Uh, just build up things for yourself. It's this old status of, of the things that I can have. And the other thing that I think James talked about in verses 4 and 6 is the injustice. So many of these rich people had gotten rich at the, the expense of some other people. Especially, uh, he talks about those who were mowing uh, for the, the rich folks, the, the people that were uh, the harvesters that have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves, and in the day of slaughter, it's going to be bad for you. Isn't that something that, that we have to uh, have those kinds of people that take advantage of others to benefit themselves? Uh, there's so much of that that goes on even in our society today, and certainly it was very prevalent in that day and age in which uh, James lived. So he, he indeed was concerned about those people who were doing those things. Again, uh, uh, they were misusing the wealth that they had, and uh, they lived for money instead of living for God. And how tragic that is when that becomes our goal in life. He said to them, your riches are corrupted. He also said to them, the gold and silver are corroded. And the corrosion uh, is staring them in the face. They see those things and, and they need to understand that those things will pass away. And again, <clears throat> uh, there's so many things that James has talked about all throughout this, this book. And again, I think this is something that needed to be said evidently in that time period that it was written. Those people that, uh, he said that, uh, that he wrote this letter to, that he was inspired to write, write these words to. But it was a period that judgment would come. There will be a day when these people will have to pay a price for the kind of lifestyle they've lived. Again, please understand that it's not a condemnation for those who use their money wisely to help others. I remember as a young boy uh, at First Baptist Church, Bogalusa, one Sunday we used to have a stewardship emphasis, and one of the uh, Sundays that we had uh, that emphasis going on, we had Mr. R.G. Letourneau come and speak. Some of you older folks will remember him. I think he died back in the 19, late 1960s. Uh, he lived to be a ripe old age. But he was a man who uh, invented many things. 
much of which those machines that were built uh, that were used in World War II. Uh, Leon, you may know about some of those issues. I think he was the first one to put rubber on some of these big uh, earth-moving machines that they used during World War II. And uh, I heard him speak, and it made such an impression on me, even at a, uh, as a young teenage boy uh, in the uh, late 50s, him coming and, and telling how he gave 90% of his income to God. He lived on 10%. He and his family, and they were such uh, strong givers. Uh, there's a college over where Jody went to school called Eterno College. I guess it's still there, Jody. Uh, still a part of that community, but he endowed that uh, community and that college. He did so many things for people all over the world, uh, but his philosophy was, uh, why should I keep 90% uh, of what God and give God 10% because God has given me everything that, he's, that I have? Uh, and such a wonderful testimony. And there are others uh, in our world today who have accumulated wealth and how thankful I am that they have given back to God with a cheerful heart. God loves a cheerful giver, and they, these are people who have done that. But these folks that James was addressing here, they didn't care. They didn't have any compassion. They had no concern for others. They were more interested in what they could accumulate for themselves. And James just very bluntly, very plainly gives this message to them. Your life is more than what you accumulate. Your life is more than what you can say, this is what I have at the end of my life. For the day of judgment is coming. And, and certainly it did uh, for them. Uh, ri the rich plan without taking God into consideration. God was not a part of their lives. They didn't have any concerns. They had nice homes to live in. They had all the things that money could buy at that time. Uh, and he talks about the gold that would corrode those things that were a part of their lives that would be uh, no longer any use to them and they would have to face God. He said uh, <clears throat> here, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. God knows what goes on. God is aware of those who are suffering at someone's el someone else's expense. And they had to deal with that. And, and he said uh, those cries of those people who are doing all the work, the hard work. And the problem was they weren't getting paid. If you go back in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, you'll see that one of the laws that were given was that a man who works is to be given his wages, to be paid his wages. And I uh, thought it was very interesting as we were reading one of the commentaries, or Sadell was reading that to me yesterday, one of the rules was they paid before the day was through. You paid for those wages. Jesus gave an example of that even in the New Testament of uh, the workmen that went out and worked uh, for a certain amount and then those who came along later were given the same amount and, and they were paid at the end of the day. And that was one of the rules that Leviticus uh, espoused that those people who were working for you deserve to be paid and they need to be paid at the end of the day. And James said, oh, the cries of those who are working are crying out loudly enough that it's reached the ears of the Lord 
himself, the Lord Almighty, and he's going to take time. You've lived on this earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent, even those who had no uh, thing going against them. You've taken advantage of them, even to the point of perhaps you've even murdered some of them. They were not opposing you. They were just doing their job, and if they got in your way, they were indispensable. And James gives this great, great message that there is going to come a day when these people will see and meet their judge. I think, again, that it's a misuse of wealth. It's a, uh, taking advantage of those who can't defend themselves, and we need to guard against that. Certainly, we need to be aware that God is a God who judges, but God is also a God who is willing to give repentance if we, or give forgiveness if we repent of our sin. And apparently these were not some of the people that were really looking forward to, to repentance. And, and James gives this great dissertation. I started to name this uh, the weeping and wailing that goes on uh, for those uh, who are doing the wrong thing. But again, isn't it interesting how James would take that approach to a lifestyle of those who were in his day? It, again, it's almost uncharacteristic of the rest of the book and, and what's going to happen uh, these next few verses that uh, Reggie will be dealing with over these next two weeks. Certainly, uh, so totally out of context of, of what the rest of the book is, but it was a message that needed to be heard. And maybe it's a message that we need to hear even in our own lives. Don't just live for what you can get, what you can hold on to uh, in this life, but rather be concerned. Show compassion. So show love toward those uh, who are less fortunate. I'm so thankful that our church uh, is willing to help those uh, who are less fortunate. I think of the Habitat, uh, George, the, the things that we're doing through Habitat for Humanity, the things that we do to help CCA, the things that we help, that we're going to begin to help with the springs, getting things started out there, going around the neighborhoods, doing what we can to help others. How wonderful that God can use us in different ways to help others with the things we have. And not all of us can give the same amount. God never expects all of us to give the same amount, but God expects all of us to give, to be a part of his kingdom's work, whether it be time or energy or, or even those things that we have. Well, thank you for coming tonight. I want us to bow in prayer, and I want us to, uh, to remember again how we can be effective in using what we have to glorify God and to take the message of Christ as we're doing literally around the world. I was starting down there in New Orleans, in our own state, uh, and then outside the United States, into Canada and uh, around the world as we send folks out to do God's work. And we just keep on doing what God calls us to do. Would you join me in prayer? Our Father, we are thankful tonight that we have the opportunity to come and be a part of your body of believers. And God, may our lives reflect day by day the love that you have for us in the way we treat other people. And Lord, as we've 
looked at these verses tonight, we've been made aware of those who took advantage of less fortunate. And those, our Father, who thought just to build their lives getting more. And we know, Lord, that it is more important for us to give of ourselves and to be used of you in any way to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So help us, Lord, even today, as we leave this place, to be more committed to doing what you would have us to do in living our lives so that others would see Jesus in us. Touch our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing a verse of invitation? Jesus paid it all. Is that what we're singing?